Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening in. This is Trading Bases, Episode 3. My name is Griffin, a.k.a. Deep to Center on Twitter and YouTube, or if we're going by X now on Twitter. Does anybody actually call it that? Uh, It will always be Twitter to me, and I really hope someday it goes back to that because that's, that's what it is. That's what it should be. Anyways, not the point. We are... Uh, discussing Tigers baseball. That's what this podcast is about. That's what I'm here to do. And today was a big day for Tigers baseball, at least for some people who pay attention to international signings. Uh, They signed, let me count this out here, five guys, five international guys to minor league deals. And one of them is a relatively uh, big name. One of them, his name is Nestor Miranda. He is a third baseman. And he is the 45th ranked international prospect. So not to say that he is a guaranteed stud, but, you know, he's got the talent. And with the right developmental system, which could be the case for every single one of these guys, but especially for a guy with as high of upside as Nestor Miranda, with the right developmental system, he could really turn out to be a very, very solid player. And... I think that would be fantastic because I can't think of the last time the Tigers have had an international signing start signed with the Tigers and make their way to the Tigers and actually be good. So if they can get one of these guys to pan out and they've got a couple guys in the system right now that that could happen for, you know, they've got Christian Santana and they've got Roberto Campos, um, both guys who were signed under the Avila era. So My hopes aren't incredibly high. They're still extremely young. Um, But my level of faith in Avila's uh, talent, uh, his ability to spot talent uh, isn't very good. I I don't think Avila was very good at many aspects of his job. Sometimes I think he was when I see some of these guys that he did draft that with the right developmental system under Scott Harris that we're seeing actually look like they might have some talent. Um, unfortunately though, it's, it's tough to know because he did not develop anybody. He did not have the right staff to develop a single player during his time in Detroit. And, um, that's just, that's just the way the, uh, the whole thing played out under that whole era. And I'm glad it's over. And I'm glad to have Scott Harris and Jeff Greenberg in charge because I truly believe that they are building something pretty special. It will take a little bit of time to know for sure, even if they're good this year, you know, the goal is to be sustained success, to build sustained, sustained, gosh, I cannot speak, sustained success. That's what Scott Harris wants. That's why he's so patient with prospects. That's what we expect at this point. We've been, we have not had a winning season since 2016. That is a long time. We are in 2024. We are closer to a decade than we are to that being five years ago. So we need we need some improvement and we need it now. Um, but it's, if not now, soon with sustained success. And I think that's what they're going for and they better pull it off. But besides Jose Miranda, or sorry, Nestor Miranda, got him confused with uh, the Twins prospect, Jose Miranda, Is he a prospect anymore? He's probably played enough games where he's not. Um, They signed shortstop Jose Dixon, right-handed pitcher Albert Ramos, 
and outfielder Jonathan Moya, and right-handed pitcher, is it Brunel Anderson? So five guys in total. And, you know, my knowledge on most of these guys is pretty limited, I will be honest with you. Uh, and because of that, I will refer you to Tiger's Torque Moil on Twitter. Does a great job covering these guys. Um, I don't know if Torque Moil has sources. Sometimes it sure seems like it. Um, but they do a great job, you know, announcing news with, uh, you know, international signings and prospects and uh, stuff like that. So follow them for more information. Also, um, the wonderful guys over at Tigers Minor League Report. I think if you look them up, it's just Tigers ML Report. Uh, they do a fantastic job. I got to be on a podcast with them for their Motor City Metrics podcast, and that was a blast. I had a great time. I'd love to go back on eventually if they ever invite me or if maybe I can have them on here, one of them. That would be fantastic. Um, I had a great time with them. But, yeah, those those two accounts right there, Minor League Report and Tigers Torque Moil, they will have so much more information than I'm going to have on these guys if you want to read up on them, uh, get to know more. Um, I know for sure that I will be, you know, seeing what all they have to say about them and following along because seeing these young prospects um, go from just these international signings to um, potential, you know, players in the big leagues or trade pieces is always one of my favorite things to do it's in, in baseball. It's that's what makes the minor leagues in the way that baseball's whole uh, system works. That's what makes it so exciting is because there's just this level of they you have to grind from bottom up and it's just it's just a beautiful thing and i think it's i I wish other sports had something similar um for one it would give so many more players a chance to play professionally um but at the same time it's just exciting to have so many leagues to follow and know that like you can be excited that a guy playing really well in a lower league could be on his way Uh, for example like the g league for the NBA, that's not a bad league to follow. It doesn't happen as often. Um, and it's because most guys just start and go right to the NBA. I, I guess it's really not a, a perfect um, example because maybe the NBA, it just wouldn't work. I guess that that comparison would just be college to the minor leagues. So, yeah, you never know. Because, I mean, guys, guys will come right out of high school and be able to play immediately in the NBA. They could. And that's crazy to me. Um, cause that just would not happen in the MLB. It just would not. And I think that goes to show for how hard baseball is, but anyways, so, uh, speaking of Nestor Miranda, that third base number 45 international prospect, um, I had an anonymous source show me, um, some DMS after he signed, uh, they were in Spanish translated. He basically said that he is the next Miguel Cabrera. And then afterwards, he said, better. So he could have been joking. And he probably was joking. And if not, you got to admire the confidence. You have to. Is he the next Miguel Cabrera? No. There's nobody else's Miguel Cabrera. I mean, even all the players in the history of the game before him, nobody is exactly like nobody. There's not many players that you can say they're better than Miguel Cabrera. A handful. Um. And no offense to Nestor Miranda. I will be through the moon if he is half the player Miguel was in his career. Because that's still a very solid baseball player. 
but I love love the confidence. I thought that was really funny. Um, I hope that he comes to the organization and just absolutely tears it up. Seems like a, a cool guy. He's always before this. He was always seen wearing Tiger's swag, so you kind of knew he was going to sign. Um, very excited for that. Would love in the future to see the Tigers in the running for you know a top ten international prospect. Um, but we'll settle for the number 45 prospect. And you know what? He'll, maybe he'll prove himself to be the best of them. And that's, and that's cool. Um, I do want to talk briefly. I know this is a Tigers podcast, but I briefly want to mention, because I think most of us out here are also Lions fans. I know there's a few that aren't. But the Lions just won their first playoff game in 32 years. That is exciting stuff. I was at a loss for words for an hour after the game because I just I couldn't believe what I just watched. I just watched a team that has beaten me down year after year for the 26 years I've been alive. And for some of you, it's been even longer. Uh, even even those of you that were alive for 50 years going up to this. I mean, you saw the the win 32 years ago to the NFC Championship, but that's as far as they got most of your life has been a disappointment. They've never won a Super Bowl. And, and this year, whether or not they make it there or not, they might lose this next game. They were not a heartbreaking team to watch. They didn't. I mean, they, there was times for sure, but there, there's times with every football team where you just feel like they just don't have it. But this team, man, they they grind. They, they their, their thing this year is... Uh, it's something grit, <laughs> all grit. That's what it is. All grit. Hashtag all grit is what they were using on Twitter. And that's what this team has, man. They just have grit and they're going to play the winner of the game that's going on as I record this, which is the Eagles and Bucks. And I really don't even care who we play. It's going to be at home. If we play the Eagles, whatever, they're, they're a good team, but you know what? Revenge game against Matt Patricia. He's over there. Let's, Let's, you know, show him, you know, how much better we are without him because he was maybe the worst coach that we've ever had. We've had some bad ones. We've had some really bad coaches. But yeah, we need to we need to just kick the crap out of whoever comes into Detroit next weekend, because this is this is a different kind of year for the Lions. It just is. And I'll never forget yesterday's game because it's the first time in my entire life that I ever watched the Lions win a playoff game. That's crazy to me. But speaking of playoffs, I'll stop talking about the Lions for now because some of you might not be interested in the Lions, and that's fine. Speaking of the playoffs, I want to talk about the Tigers' chances to make the playoffs. Because I think a lot of people are either extremely optimistic or extremely pessimistic. And then there's some people... Um, there always is kind of right in the middle that feel like it could go either way. I think I lean more towards optimistic, but I'm also a little bit in the middle, um, because I, I see the flaws in this team. They're young. They're going to be very young. They have some veterans and Ken Maeda and, um, and Flaherty's not a veteran really. He's 28 years old. I guess you could call him that, but not in the sense, um, of that, but you got Mark Canna, so Maeda and Canna in their mid-30s, uh, been around the game for quite some time. 
uh, one offensive guy, one, you know, pitcher. So we, we, we got guys on both sides of the ball that can really do some, um, some mentoring to the young guys, which is great. But a lot of the production we expect from a team that could compete is going to come from guys going into their first to third year. Torkelson, Green, Carpenter, third year. Colt Keith, Justin Henry Malloy, Justice Bigby, maybe. A lot of guys that we could see this year, first year. Speaking of veterans, we got Javi, Javier Baez. Javi leaves a, he's left a bad taste in a lot of mouths of Tigers fans, and for good reason. He's been really bad. He's been really, really bad. Um, 2023 was just an absolute blemish on his resume. And I really hope for his sake and for the sake of all the fans and the Tigers that he can turn it around at least a little bit. If he can just, just go back to 2021 hobby. What was it? 20? No, sorry. 2022 hobby. 2021 hobby. Second half would be great when he was on the Mets. 2022 hobby. Even that wasn't great but it was serviceable because that version of hobby compared to last year actually helps this team a little bit. Granted, I would prefer the highest paid player on this team to hit 20 plus home runs and bat above 220. Um, maybe he did finish above 220 at the end of the year. You know what? He, he might've, um, but yeah, he just, he wasn't very good. He had a sub 600 OPS, I think, just just bad. And I want him to get it together this offseason, show up next year, ready to play, and play like a guy making $24 million a year, or at least like a guy making $10 million a year. Because even that would be better than the below league minimum hitter that he was in 2023. So I hope Javi can not only come back stronger, but come back stronger and as a mentor to these young guys, because the kind of player that Javi should be is the kind of guy that a lot of these younger fellas could look up to. So I'm hoping the best for him. And I'm hoping that it can really light a fire under this team. But yeah, I mean, other guys, uh, I've heard that a lot of guys think that Matt Veerling feels like the captain of the team, which I know that might be surprising to some people, but um, he's he's just a good leader, good guy. You can see him in interviews. He just, he carries himself well. He carries himself in a way he, where he's been there before because he has. I mean, he's, he's, it was only his like second year in the league and it really wasn't a full year his first year. He just played a little bit, so but he's been to the playoffs. He's been to the World Series with Philly. So he knows what it's like to be there at the very least, even if he didn't contribute in the way that maybe he would like to. He's been there, and he's been around winners. He's seen that the way hit, or winners carry themselves. And, you know, I would argue that Miguel Cabrera was a winner for a good portion of his career, but for the last couple years of his career, um, and especially last year when Veerling was there, I think Miguel was just having fun. And I, not that he wasn't a good mentor. He's a great mentor. I'm glad he's sticking around. He's one of the best hitters that's ever played. But I think with so much attention to his retiring tour and 
him just trying to have a good time and soak it all in and enjoy it. I don't know as though he was the kind of like winner that I'm talking about here. Um, I'm talking about guys in their prime that are, are, are focused on winning now. Like he played with Bryce Harper, JT Realmuto, like some of these guys that they, they're all about business and, and they, they have a good time over there, but they, they work their tails off to get there and they rake. They do. They just do. Um, so I really hope that Matt Veerling did bring some of that over with him. And maybe that's why, that's why they view him as like a leader on this team. Cause he's not old. He's what a year older than me. He's 27, I think. So, you know, it's, it's impressive. It, it says a lot about his character and the way he handles himself. Um, speaking of him, uh, his buddy, Nick Maton, I can't imagine we'll see him uh, much at the major league level. I mean, maybe we will. I think, I think part of Scott Harris thinks that there's still something there with Maton. Um, and maybe there is, you know what, there was, there was flashes at times and he didn't look good for a lot of, a lot of the year, but there was also times where it really felt like he was just getting bad luck. I mean, he was, he was getting babbit. Um, if you don't know what babbit means, it means batting average on balls in play. Uh, it just means that like he was hitting the ball hard on balls that percentage wise are normally hits, but were either like right at people or like made diving plays. And so I do think there were times where Maton maybe was playing better than the numbers show. And so maybe there's something there. He, he's not very well liked by the fan base because of how well or how poorly he played last year. And, you know, you got to earn that. You got to earn uh, people's trust and their willingness to like you and support you. Um, and Detroit is a tough city to earn that. I know people might not like to hear this, but I, I think Detroit, uh, fan base wise, is similar to Philly. Uh, just kind of like hardworking, you know, blue collar people that just are super, super passionate about their sports and their and their teams. And I think um, similar to Philly, you have to earn the respect from the fans. And I think, you know, Maton could do that. He could, he could come out in spring. He could look really good and he could earn a job and play well. You know what I mean? Um, and that's fine. Uh, we got other guys like Zach McKinstry um, out there trying to think who else will we have out there? I mean, we got Parker going into his technically his first year cause he, he'll still be a rookie. Um, so Parker will be great um, to have out there in center field. Jake Rogers behind the plate. We're just a young team, just a young team. A couple of these guys you can consider vets. I mean, Jake Rogers has been around for enough now that you could almost call him a vet. I think he's still young, but so I think this team will require guys to take large steps forward. Um, and that's, that's just offense. Uh, you know, the pitching staff, I think it does require a step forward from some guys, but not to the same degree that the offense needs it because the pitching staff, they looked pretty solid last year. And the guys that we have are pretty solid. Tarek Skubal, if he's healthy, he's going to be good. Whether or not he gives us the Cy Young caliber season that we know he's capable of, it really just depends. But he will, at the bare minimum, 
I think, give a solid season. I think you're thinking probably maximum four ERA, probably maximum, probably maximum of three, five. Um, a great Tarek Skubal season. He's going to sit between two, five and two, seven, five, I think. And he's going to be in the Cy Young race. I think that's the Skubal we could and hopefully should see in 2024. His stuff is too good not, not to put that kind of numbers up if he's healthy. And hopefully he does stay healthy. Casey Mize, we have no idea what to expect with him. He is coming back from two years away. He is an enigma. He is a former number one overall pick. The pitch that he was picked for is the reason he had to be out for two years in the first place because of the way he threw it. So will he be that same pitcher? I don't know. I hope so. I mean, he was the number one overall pick, which doesn't mean a whole lot sometimes because you got like Mark Appel, but I do think that Casey Mize has in there somewhere the ability to still be a top of the rotation pitcher. And then you got Jack Flaherty, who is a former star. I talked about this in the last episode. He was a star in 2019 as a young pitcher and five years have passed and, you know, he's gone through some injuries and battled some struggles, but with the right pitching coach with Fetter and this developmental group, he could return to form. And I think he will, maybe not to that form, but I think he will be a solid pitcher for this team better than people may be expecting. Uh, Ken Maeda, he's going to be a awesome veteran presence in the clubhouse. I'm very excited to have him around. And then, you know, we got young guys, Reese Olsen, Sawyer Gibson Long, uh, Matt Manning, I haven't brought up yet. All guys that, as a back rotation, very solid guys. Reese Olsen looks like a stud. Matt Manning, even if he's back of the rotation. Like, if he is a back of the rotation guy, he is a very solid back of the rotation guy to have, truly. Because he's a, he's a good pitcher for the most part. He's not a great pitcher, and maybe he could take that step and become one. But he is a good pitcher. And to have him as like your four or five, it's not bad. That's really not bad. And I will take that any day. So, and of course, yeah, you got more guys on the way. So it's really exciting, really exciting to have this much pitching depth. I think they've done a great job with that. Um, yes. So do the Tigers have a chance at the playoffs with this roster sitting the way it sits? Absolutely. Absolutely. They do. Um, will they make the playoffs? That's not a guarantee. The Twins did lose some pitching. They lost some players, but they're still good. They're still a good team. You still got Royce Lewis at third, who is starting to look like the former number one overall pick that he was. Got Carlos Correa, another former number one overall pick, who has always pretty much lived up to the hype, except for a little bit of a down year um, last year, but he's still Carlos Correa. Got Jorge Polanco still... You've got that Matt Wallner guy who looks really good. You still got Byron Buxton. Uh, Ryan Jeffers is underrated. So as much as I hate, you know, hyping up, and they still got Max Kepler. As much as I hate hyping up the Twins, they're still a better team than maybe where we care to admit, and they still have a very solid chance to win the Central. I don't know about the Guardians. I never know about the Guardians. I don't even know if the Guardians know about the Guardians. They just... They just find a way, so we'll see. They could come out, and they could be the best team in the division all of a sudden out of nowhere, or they could come out and be the absolute worst team in the division. Um, although that would be hard to do because the White Sox are awful. White Sox are terrible. Um, the Royals, 
the Royals are hoping to take a step into contention. It seems like they've made some interesting signings. I don't think they've gotten as much better as maybe they think, but they do have Bobby Witt Jr., who, in my opinion, is a superstar. Vinny Pasquantino, who is a top 10 first baseman in the league when healthy. The dude just gets on base. He just plays well all the time. They got Salvi. They got uh, strikeout king MJ Melendez, who who can hit. Um, you know, Hunter Renfro. There's pieces. Michael Garcia, not too bad. They've got pieces. I just don't know that they're there yet. They could be soon, but I don't see a whole lot coming up from the minors for them very soon. So I don't know. I don't think they're something to worry about all that much. But uh, for here on episode three, I want to do this new segment that I uh, is probably a one-time segment because it would be kind of weird to do it again. Um, I'm going to go through real quick, kind of through all 30 MLB prospects, uh, top 30 MLB prospects for the Tigers and say where I think that they will end the season. Like, where, how high will we see them this season? Uh, first things first, number one prospect on MLB Pipeline, Max Clark. I think the guy that we're outside of maybe Colt Keith, the guy we're all the most excited for. Their number three overall pick in 2023, high school kid, very talented. He is probably still going to start the year with Lakeland, I would think. He didn't. He didn't play particularly great with Lakeland when he got there. He played 11 games, batted 154, um, had a 179 slugging. He did not look great. He has been grinding this offseason. I mean, every player does, but he has been grinding. He is that talented for, like, he was taken number three for a reason. He is talented. He is a talented baseball player, and I don't think you should be that worried about the 11 games in Lakeland. It's a difficult adjustment going from rookie ball to Lakeland. Not everybody does well. Kevin McGonigal did do well. That's exciting, more so than a knock on Max Clark. So I think he'll be fine. I think we will see him at the maximum, maybe like the last month he gets into double A if he plays incredibly well. Maybe he sneaks into Erie. Most likely, I think he finishes the year with the Whitecaps and then next year tries to make Erie out of camp. So that would be, you know, a good scenario, I think, for Max Clark, though. If he if he plays well enough that he can find a way into Erie by the end of the season, that would be a fantastic season for Max Clark. Colt Keith, number two overall ML prospect on MLB pipeline for the Tigers. I think hopeful thinking is that he starts the year with Detroit because he absolutely tear, tears it up everywhere in the minors, literally everywhere. Um, last year, 2023, with Toledo, he had a 976 OPS. And with the, uh, did I say Toledo? Erie. With Erie, he had a 976. With Toledo, he had an 890 OPS. Um, and that was in 67 games. So, he was just incredible. He was consistent. Each level he played at, he just absolutely raked. Um, he hit home runs. He is a solid third base, second base option, most likely going to play second base. Uh, I don't think they see him as a third baseman. I don't think he has the reaction time that they're looking for. Um, he does have a good arm, but that's not enough when you're playing the hot corner. So I think second base is where they want him, and Jace Young seems to be moving his way to third. 
We'll get to Jace Young in a second. Next up, we have Jackson Job, who is 21, and he's a right-handed pitcher. He's the third-ranked prospect for the Tigers in MLB Pipeline. He is currently – he finished the year with Erie. So he did play – he only pitched six innings with Erie. Um, I think there's a likelihood that he starts there. I think he's probably shown that he's ready. We'll see what – you know um, – We'll see what Scott Harris and company thinks, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Jackson Job end up in AAA by the end of the year, even if it's for just a little bit. I think he'll spend the, the way they do prospects. I think that they'll spend most of the season having him in AA, and I think we'll see him maybe in AAA towards the very end of the season. He will very likely not be making his MLB debut in 2024, but I could very much see it happening in 2025 depending on the kind of year he has this year. Back to Jace Young, number four ranked prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. He played in Erie for the last 47 games of the year, and boy, oh boy, did he hit. He had a 936 OPS and 14 home runs. He was just absolutely tearing it up down there. Same thing he was doing, except even better than he was doing it in uh in grand rapids or with west michigan so very cool stuff very excited for jace young he is probably going to slide over to third i think he probably starts the year with triple a and finishes the year with triple a i don't think he makes the big league roster this team this year i would like to see him make the big league roster this year i mean he would have to be um he the way that they handle prospects he would probably have to be batting like with a, a thousand plus ops in um, our one dot OPS in triple uh, a for a good portion of the season for them to call him up because they they're very careful with their prospects, but who knows? It could prove me wrong. I mean, he could come out, be invited to spring training, absolutely tear it up and make the, make the big league roster out of camp. He might beat Colt Keith to the big leagues. I mean, he's older than Colt Keith, so could happen. Who knows? Number five, Kevin McGonigal. I think he's a guy that a lot of people are excited for. He's a shortstop. Um, he was the was it the compensatory pick um, at the end of the first round, twenty twenty three. Um, he is very good. He's very good. Um, so he made it to Lakeland for how many games? It was twelve games with Lakeland, and he put up a nine thirteen OPS. He batted three fifty, and he he only hit one home run, no big deal. But he walked seven times and only struck out five. So he's got good plate discipline. He grades out as a pretty decent fielder, honestly, not terrible. And he hits, he hits the crap out of the ball. So I think he's only 19. I think he probably makes it to double A. I think Max Clark is a maybe. I think Kevin McGonigal is a likely to make it to double A this season. Um, I don't think he goes beyond that. But I do think he spends most of the season in double, or not most of the season, most of the season with the White Caps, the back end of the season with double A, um, and then most of next season with double A. Ty Madden, I think Ty Madden makes his uh, makes his debut this year. I think he'll start with Triple A Toledo. <clears throat> Pardon me, uh, my throat is a little scratchy. I think he starts with Triple A Toledo. And I think probably later in the year, we see him make his debut, perhaps 
he'll get a start and then kind of merge into a long relief role depending on injuries and stuff. But I do think he makes his debut at some point this year. Wilmer Flores, I would like to say that he makes his debut this year, but I think he'll spend the entirety of the year with Toledo. And he starts there and finishes there. I don't think he makes the, the big league roster this year. How you leave the, uh, the acquisition in the Michael Lorenzen trade. I think that he probably makes it to double a he start. He'll start the year with the white caps again. He only played eight games there. He'll start the year. He'll make it to Erie. And that's probably as far as he'll go this year. He's only 20 years old. Um, I don't see him moving quickly throughout the minor league system. Uh, unless he absolutely rakes, but I think, you know, he can definitely make it to double A and spend a good portion of the year there. Justin Henry Malloy, another guy, to be honest with you, I'd love to see you just make it out of camp to the MLB roster. He had an 891 OPS. The big problem with uh, Malloy is that he cannot field to save his life. The guy, sorry for that, the guy cannot field. He is technically a third baseman. He did play some outfield. Um, and I think outfield is where he'll probably be most of the time, but he is not good in any position, um, defensively. And hopefully that'll change, but it's, it's hard when you're this poor of a defender, he grades out with a 40 field grade, which I believe is some of the lowest you can get, um, as a, as a high prospect. I don't know if there's anybody with a much worse field grade. So Malloy, I would love to see him up. Parker Meadows is still on the list. We've seen him up. He will be up. He is going to play the entire year unless he has just an absolutely abysmal start to the season and they think he needs to go back down. He will likely spend the entire year with the Tigers as their center fielder, uh, barring any health issues. Dylan Dingler. Dingler is 25. Let me double check on this for you. He is 25 years old. He probably should make his debut this year if he's going to make it. Uh, he is 25. He played about 26 games with Toledo last year, and he had a 650 OPS. But prior to that, he had an 834 OPS in 51 games in AA and a 1.276 OPS in 12 games in Lakeland. Now, it's Lakeland, uh, but still. So he can hit, and he's a good catcher. He grades out pretty solid defensively. Um, he's a 55 field grade, which is really solid. He's got a 60 arm. I think it would be great to see him. I think Dylan Dingler could potentially have you considering to trade Jake Rogers in the future. Um, and I think that's not a bad idea if Dylan Dingler can prove as a worthy replacement. Uh, number 12, Brent Herter. He's 25 as well. I think he's probably going to be a, a reliever. And I think we probably see him this year. Um, I would say maybe mid-season he comes up and maybe takes on a similar like mid-relief role as like Tyler Holton was in 2023. Um, we'll see. He's a he's a good player. Maybe he'll maybe he'll be a starter still. Um, but with the amount of starters we have in this team, it would be hard to see him squeezing in there. Maybe he even gets traded. Some of these guys very well could get traded. Um, then we got Paul Wilson, just recently drafted, 19. He's probably going to spend most of the year with Lakeland. Maybe sneaks into uh, maybe sneaks into Whitecaps by the end of the year, but he's a hard-throwing lefty. 
Um, he's projected to be at the majors in 2027. He's 19 years old, but yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'll be fun to see how he plays this year. I don't know much about him truly as much as I do the guys previous. Uh, speaking of young guys, um, or dr- recently drafted guys, Max Anderson, second baseman. Um, he was drafted out of college, so he should be fast tracked a little bit. The dude hits. I think his college coach said he's the best hitter that he's ever coached, um, which would make sense considering he was the second round draft pick in the MLB. Um, dude, he hits, and he played 32 games with Lakeland last year, and he had a 790 OPS. He's 21 years old. He's got a 55 hit grade, 50 power grade. He doesn't project as anything insanely special, but I think we'll see him probably reach double A by the end of the season. Troy Melton. Troy Melton is 23. He last pitched with high A, West Michigan Whitecaps. He pitched 65 innings to a 2.48 ERA. I think a good season from Troy Melton could see him make an appearance in AAA this year. I don't think he would make an appearance in the majors. He is 23, but he, I don't I don't see that happening. So, AAA. AAA maybe, but most likely AA is always where he caps out this year. Peyton Graham. Peyton Graham has struggled since he got drafted. Um, so he played in Lakeland for 54 games last year to a 694 OPS. So it looks like he did pick it up a little bit from where he was. He was definitely definitely struggling for most of the season worse than that. Um, but he picked it up. Good news for him um, is that he has an on-base percentage that is over 100 points higher than his average was. You know, he had a 232 average, but he had a 339 on base, which means, like, he takes pitches. He walks. Um, he had 28 walks. So, you know, nothing crazy. 28 walks in 54 games, but uh, 339 on base, we'll take it. Um, I think, most likely, he stays as high as the Whitecaps this year, and I don't know if we ever see him too much higher than that unless he you know, has a serious turnaround. Christian Santana, one of their former big uh, international signings under the Avila era. He's 20. Um, I see him potentially making an appearance. No, no. He doesn't make it past Whitecaps this year. I think he spends most of the year with the Whitecaps. So let's see here. Enrique Jimenez. Let's see. Oh, Enrique Jimenez. I was just tweeting about this guy the other day. I'm really excited about him. He's a he's a young catcher. He's 18 years old. He's a switch hitter. He will probably spend most of the year with uh, Lakeland. So Sawyer Gibson Long, he should be on the MLB roster, if not AAA for most of the year. Um, the only reason he'd be in AAA is if they just don't have room on the MLB roster for him. Wenzel Perez should make his debut this year. I think he'll make his debut at some point this year. Justice Bigby... I think he also should make his debut some point this year. Roberto Campos probably spends most of the year in high A again, maybe makes an appearance with Erie if he plays well. Carson Rucker, recent draft pick, probably spends most of the year in Lakeland. Um, Dylan Smith, right-handed pitcher, 23 years old, last pitched with double-A Erie, only five innings. He probably starts the year back with the Whitecaps, makes his way back into double-A, and maybe makes an appearance in triple-A if he pitches really well. Danny Soretti, shortstop, second base, 23 years old. He last pit, or last played 
in double A for 49 games to a 583 OPS. He probably stays there most of the year. Kyder Montero, he's good. He's really good. Uh, he made his way all the way to AAA last year. He had a 493 ERA in both AAA and AA. And I do think that he's better than those numbers show. And I would not be surprised to see him make an appearance this year at the Major League roster. Luke Gold. Luke Gold is 23 years old. He is a third base, second base prospect. He had an 808 OPS with high A, a uh, high A white caps um, this last season. And I think that we'll probably see him make an appearance with um, Erie. Yeah, I think we'll see. I'm getting tired. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm getting tired going through these more so than I realized I would. So, yeah, I think we'll see him make an appearance with Erie this year. Uh, Tyler Madison, right-handed pitcher. He's 24 years old. He last pitched with Double uh, A. He had a 1.62 ERA in 33 innings. He'll probably make the AAA roster at some point this year, if not start there. Uh, Eddie Slennard, the pickup that we got at the deadline from the Dodgers, he will probably be. I mean, he had a 904 uh, OPS in AAA last year. Uh, he should make an appearance at the big leagues this year. And then, last but not least, the 30th overall prospect, Isaac Pacheco. 635 OPS at high A in 119 games. He probably stays there at high A, and then it really depends on how well he plays if whether or not he makes it to double A this season. So there's our top 30 prospects. There's where I think that they're going to end up. Will I do that again? Probably not. Uh, there's no need for it, and that was really exhausting, more than I realized it would be. Um, so thank you so much for tuning in to this episode if you did. Um, I always have a good time recording it. Uh, again, I will eventually have a co-host when I find somebody that I could feel like I could just chat with all the time. So on that note, I really appreciate it once again, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you.